This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Rusty Gray and Toya Christian Fellowship. For more information, visit tcfministries.org. All right, I'm going to continue to talk to you this morning about faith. Uh, I started last week talking about that. Chuck Pierce, who was at Trinity Fellowship, and he spoke at Zion, and uh, he has a prophetic ministry, and he said that God impressed on him that this year that you and I need to be doing a couple of things with our faith. We need to be letting our faith be seen, and I believe that's in our family, in our job, in our community. And then he also said that we need to be using our faith. Well, then we found out last week in Scripture that God thinks faith is pretty important. And so I want to read to you again what I read last week out of Hebrews 11.1, Hebrews 11.6, excuse me. It says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Wow. I mean, uh, it doesn't frighten me, but it should wake you up. Listen, I, I know you're here this morning because you love God. I know you're here because you want to please God. And God says in his word that if you want to please me, that you're going to have to have faith. It's impossible to please me if you don't have it. Now, if God says that I have to do something that I'm either not capable of doing, or if faith is something that only God gives out to certain people, well, then in my, my book, God's unjust. But I know God's not unjust. God's not going to ask you to do anything that he won't empower you and show you a way to do it. So we found out last week it's impossible to please God without faith. So God thinks faith is important, so I need to think that it's important. Then he gives a clue in the rest of that verse. Let me read to you what it says. It says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek, excuse me, who sincerely seek him. The King James says, who seek him diligently. Now, here's what God does. God says, hey, if you're going to please me, you have to have faith. Then he gives you two simple clues to faith. He says, first off, you have to believe that I exist. Now, I know you're here this morning because you believe that he exists. So you've got that one down. Here's what I love about the heart of God. He's saying, hey, y'all, I'm real and I exist. That drawing in your heart, it's from me. It's not the world. It's not the flesh. It's not the devil. That's me. And you want me and I want you to know that I want you. And oh, by the way, I'm a rewarder. Okay, I'm a rewarder. And if you'll diligently seek me, if you'll sincerely seek me, I'll reward you. Now, listen, I'm going to give you some points this morning. You like to have points? Okay, I'm going to give you some points this morning. By you being here, you're sincerely seeking God. You're here because you want something from God. And God says that when you do that, that I will reward you. Now, listen to me. I was talking to a young woman yesterday, and she's a Christian, and she's in ministry, and she's a good girl. And I was visiting with her about, we were talking about God. And she said, you know, I just want to know what God wants me to do with my life. And, and I said, man, that's the heart cry of probably every Christian. I've had that in my life. Man, God, what do you want me to do? And here's what she said. She said, I wish God would just tell me what to do. And I said, well, let me give you a little clue about God. I said, God wants to walk with you. He wants to fellowship with you. And I can remember in my life, I had a time in my life where I told God one time, hey, God, if you'll just tell me what to do, I'll leave you alone. Well, I got real bad news for you. God does not want you to leave him alone. And so I know that girl had that same urgency in her heart. God, just show me what to do. 
and I'll go do it, and then I, I won't bother you anymore. That's not the heart of God. And then she said this. I said, well, have you prayed about it? And she said, yeah. And she said, I just recently read a book about prayer. And she said, but I, I didn't really care for the book. And I said, well, why, why didn't you care about it? And she said, well, you know, th- this, this book said that, you know, God will hear you, and God will answer your prayers. And, and she said, and, you know, we all know that when you pray that God's only going to do in your life what he wants to do. And she said, God's only going to do his will in your life. Now, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that statement, okay? I believe God has a will and a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. And I, I would be a heretic if I said that God isn't going to do what he wants to do. But I think if you'll take that a step back a little further, here's what she's really saying. She's really saying, I don't know about God's character And I don't know whether God is a rewarder or not. And so when I pray, I get no comfort or encouragement from it because you never know what God's going to do. That's why it's so important that you recognize that the Scripture says that he's a rewarder. He wants to reward you. He wants to, to bless you and take care of you. All right. Then I read in Romans 10, 12. Let me go to that verse. Romans 10, 12. It says, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord. Now, stop right there. I want to chase a rabbit. If you, do you care if I chase a rabbit trail real quickly? I won't, we won't chase it very far, okay? Okay, but I want you to know something. I'm not trying to be political this morning. Okay, that verse right there says, does it not? It says, Jew and Gentile. Now, we're Gentiles, Okay, we're Gentiles. Uh, the Bible also says we're Greeks. Now, we're not Greeks, we're Americans, but that's a reference to being Gentiles. We're not Jews. Listen, you're not a Jew and you'll never be a Jew. All right, you will never be a Jew. You're a Gentile. But it says that Jews and Gentiles have the same Lord. Does it not say that? It says we're the same in what respect? We have the same Lord. Now, now listen to me. The Jews and Christians serve the same God. See, the difference between a Jew and a Gentile is we believe Jesus is the Messiah and, and they as of yet don't believe that. Now, some do, but the majority of them don't. Here's what I want you to see. Okay, the God of the Muslims is not the same God as the God of the Jew and the God of the Gentile. The God of the Jews and the God of the Christian is not the same God. Now, I've heard people on TV say that, and I want you to understand the truth and know the truth. Well, we all serve the same God. Okay, that is not true. That is not true. All right, the Bible says that Jews and Gentiles serve the same God. We have the same Lord. And what does it say? It says he gives generously to all. Now, whatever, would you please do me a favor and just say all? All. Okay, what does that mean? If I said that all of you get a $100 bill after the service and Glenda will be handing them out and get in line right after the service, would y'all be excited to get, right? Would that be everybody or would some of you leave leave and be too busy? No, it's for, all means all, right? We're in Texas. Okay, what does it say? It says God gives generously to anyone, to everyone, to whoever calls on him. All right, now what did we find out last week? that God is a generous rewarder to all. See, God's not leaving anybody out, all right? And I want you to see that, all right? Now, let me, let me go forward, and I wanna show you the next thing we learned last week is Romans ten seventeen. okay? God says you better have faith if you're gonna please me, and I want you to know that I exist and that I'm a rewarder, I'm a generous rewarder, and then he says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, God says to you this morning, you have to have faith, 
Okay, pastor, how do I get it? I can tell you how you get it. God said you get it by hearing the word of God. Every time you read the Bible, every time you come to church and hear good teaching, or you hear maybe good teaching on the radio, or you listen to teaching in your car, or you listen to it at your home, anytime you read the scripture, you hear the scripture, you hear it taught, the Bible says faith is sparked in your heart. And consequently, you're pleasing God. Now, here's what I want to ask you this morning. I want to make very clear. I want you to understand this. It's important what we feed on. See, if I feed on God's word, what's going to be the result of that? Well, the result is going to be faith. Then the result is that pleases God. Then when I go to God in prayer and I have a need, I know that it's for anyone who asks, and I know he's a generous rewarder, and that changes everything. Now, listen, I'm not picking on you this morning, but I just want you to think about what did you feed on this week? What did you feed on? How many hours did you spend listening to news? How many hours did you spend listening to the radio? How many hours did you spend watching TV? And how much time did you spend feeding your faith? Usually it's pretty lopsided. Now, listen, I, I want you to understand something. The world, our culture has no answers. Fox News has no answers. CNBC has no answers. And if you're looking to those sources for answers, I've got real bad news. They don't have any. Now, this isn't a Bible. There's a Bible in there, and I don't know how they got it in there, but they did. But when you go to God's Word, there's answers, okay? And it feeds your faith, and it starves your doubts. Now, I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm saying just make sure you spend some time during the week and during the day to feed your faith. Now, I read this to you last week, and let me just read it to you one more time. Natural food, okay? Natural food. Food feeds the body for natural strength to live your life. I'm gonna eat lunch here in just a minute. Remember last week we had spaghetti, and I didn't invite you, and I apologize for that. I think this week we're having sandwiches, and and. Nobody wants to come eat sandwiches anyway, so I won't invite you, amen? Right? You eat, everybody eats natural food, and what's the byproduct of it? Strength. I have physical strength in my body. Listen to what God's Word does. When you, God's Word feeds your spirit, man, with supernatural strength. Another word for that is faith for living. Listen, do you want to have faith for living? Feed on God's Word. It's that simple. It's that easy. All right, now listen, I always keep good teaching CDs in my pickup with me. I have all kinds of different material that I listen to. And my commute from my house up on the hill at 220 Apache to the office across the street is about three minutes. I have a really long, treacherous commute, amen? And while I'm commuting, I'll pop in a CD and I'll listen to it literally for three minutes. Now listen, this is what's amazing. So you think, well, pastor, I can't listen to teaching because I don't drive far enough and I don't have enough time. But here's what always happens to me. I'll listen to something for three minutes and invariably the Holy Spirit will pull a nugget out of that teaching and he'll impress it on my heart and I'm strengthened and encouraged throughout the day. And when I run errands, I listen to it. When I go get my hair cut, I listen to it. Listen, you can drive across Tulia from one end to the other in about four minutes, right? And if you're speeding, you can do it in about 90 seconds, right? Okay, so I'm just telling you, if you'll feed on God's word, you will feed your faith and you'll starve your doubts. And here's the next thing we talked about was for you not to strive or struggle. Now listen very carefully. This is really powerful. Don't get into the trap of measuring yourself. Here's what we do as Christians. We're very bad about measuring each other. 
And we always measure each other based on a standard. So here's what happens to you. You start feeding your faith by at least listening to the Word of God and reading the Word of God. And here's what the devil will come. He'll come and tell you, well, you haven't read enough. Well, you haven't studied enough. You haven't prayed enough. And so you don't have enough faith. Well, that's a lie. Because Jesus said you only need enough faith the size of a mustard seed. And a mustard seed's a little old bitty tiny thing. So it's not the amount that matters. Are you with me? So don't measure yourself. Don't get stressed out thinking, oh, I don't have enough faith. Oh, I don't have enough faith. No, no. The Bible says that God's given to every one of you a measure of faith. And when you exercise it by feeding it on the word of God, you're going to grow. Then here's the next thing I said, and this is so important. When you see God's grace, he sees your faith. Now, let me say it again. When you see God's grace, what do you mean, Pastor, by that? Here's what I mean. Father, I thank you that you love me, number one. I thank you that you proved that love by sending your son Jesus to the cross. Pastor said, Sunday, you're a generous rewarder, and I thank you that you're working in my life. And as I talk to you, you listen. That's grace. See, it's not measurements. It's not you don't have enough. It's not you're not right. It's recognizing that God gave the very best he had which is his son, Jesus, so everything else is gravy, amen? So when you see God's grace, he sees your faith. Now, I wanna read to you out of Acts 14, and I wanna read a story to you. Acts 14, starting with verse seven, and I wanna show you an example in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, of faith in action. Listen to what it says in verse seven. It says, and there they preach the good news. They is Paul, and I believe it was uh, Paul and Barnabas, they were there preaching the good news. Now, what have we established that the good news is? The good news is the gospel. The good news is the Bible. Do you know what good news is to a sinner? You're forgiven, right? You know what good news is to a sick person? You can be healed. You know what good news is to a poor person? Uh, you can get a job and buy some bread and milk. I mean, that, right, that's, that's good news. Are you with me? A lot of the stuff that happens in churches isn't very much good news. But Jesus preached good news. Did he not? Right. So, so they're preaching good news. Now listen to what happens. It says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He'd been that way from birth, and he'd never walked. Now stop right there. Now here's what I want you to see in this story first thing. This person, this man, was born crippled. Born crippled. All right, now back in those days, they didn't have hospitals and doctors like we do, and probably he was born in his mother and dad's home, and probably there was a midwife there, and she was there to help with the birth, and when the baby was born, she probably immediately noticed there was something wrong with his legs and something wrong with his feet, and she probably wrapped him up and quickly took him into another room because she didn't want the mother to be upset or to be shocked. Maybe they didn't even show the baby to the dad, and, they, and you know, they talked about what are we going to do, then they had to show him the baby, then the shock to the parents is we've had a baby that's crippled and uh, he's not ever going to be able to walk. He's not ever going to be able to play ball. He's not ever going to be able to go to work. He's going to be crippled his whole entire life. Is that not what it says? All right. It says he was crippled from birth and he'd never walked. Now, why is this important? Here's why. If you've had any kind of sickness in your body or your life for a long time, I'm not talking six months. I'm talking maybe years, five years, 10 years. Here's what happens to us we kind of take ownership of it and it becomes part of us and it becomes my arthritis, my lumbago, my asthma, my headaches, my depression. It, it, it's my, I own it. Are you with me? 
Okay, this guy has not walked a single step. Every time he saw himself, he knew that he was a cripple. Are you with me? All right, all I want you to see is this is a pretty big mountain. Are you all right? All right, let me keep reading to you. It says, he was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Uh Uh-oh. 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 What's he doing? Paul's preaching the good news, and he's listening. Now, what have we already established? We've established when you hear the word of God, what does it do? It stirs faith in your heart. He heard him preaching good news. What was the good news? The good news is is Jesus is alive and well, and you can be well, and he's got a plan for your life, and he's a rewarder, and he's generous. All right, listen to what happens. He said that Paul looked straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed. And Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. Amen. And what does it say? And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Don't you know they had church, man? Don't don't you think, right? They acted a lot more excited than y'all are this morning. I mean, I'm preaching real good this morning. And y'all are just kind of like, sweet Jesus, right? I mean, right? They had church. They were excited. This guy got up and he was healed. And he, do you think he hollered a little bit? Do you think it made anybody nervous when he, when he never walked a step in? And he took that first step. Now, here's what's amazing about this story. As a casual observer, here's what you think. Man, isn't it amazing that Paul healed that man? Well, I got news for you. Paul didn't heal that man. Now, I know you think, well, no, of course he didn't, Pastor. Jesus did. But listen to me. Okay. Paul, number one, didn't heal him. Paul's faith did not heal him. It says very plainly there that the man's faith healed him. Now, how did he get faith? He heard Paul preach. And what did he do? He believed it. And what happened? He got healed. All right. Now, he didn't get healed because Paul was an apostle. Okay. I've heard people say that. Well, you know, really, pastor, you shouldn't even be preaching out of the book of Acts because that's passed away. And, you know, Jesus isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's who he used to be, not who he is. But that's not what that story says. It says that this man heard the word, his faith was strengthened, his doubts were starved. Do you think he'd ever had a doctor tell him, you'll never walk again as long as you live? Don't you know they swooped in the doctor into their house and the doctor looked at him and told his mother, he'll never walk again. Don't you think somebody, when he went and tried to get a job, we can't hire you, you're a cripple. Did he have a reason to doubt? But he heard the word of God, and it sparked faith in his heart. Now, listen to me. His faith healed him. Listen to me. Your faith can heal you. Now, let me continue to read. Look what happens. It says, Paul told him, Paul realized he had faith because he knew he'd heard the word. So Paul called in a loud voice, stand up. The man jumped to his feet and started walking. Now, here's what I want you to see. It's very simple. It's very plain. It's very obvious. He heard the word just like you're hearing it this morning. And you know what he did? He mixed it with faith and he was healed. He decided to believe instead of having all the reasons why he shouldn't believe. Amen? See, you know what you do when you hear these messages? You're deciding whether you believe it or not. And you're thinking back on all the things you've been taught and all the things you've heard. And you're deciding, well, that sounds good and everything. But I know that really doesn't work. All right. Now, I was listening to the Christian radio the other day, and a guy was preaching, and, he, and he's on the radio. So, number one, he has to be an important preacher because he's on the radio, right? And he was from a big church, and he was from a big church in a big city. And he had one of those really big, important preacher voices, right? Now, when I was a kid growing up in Amarillo, I went to San Jacinto Baptist Church. 
okay? But the big church downtown was First Baptist Church, and the pastor there was named Winford Moore. Now, I didn't go to church there, but you could hear him on the radio. And when he talked, he sounded just like God. Okay, even in town when I was a kid, he was known as the voice of God. So this guy I'm listening to on the radio, he had one of those kind of voices. It just kind of makes you sit up and pay attention. Well, he's preaching on the radio. Now, now don't miss this. He's an important preacher from an important church, from an important city with a big, good education. Are you with me? And he was preaching about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And here's what he said. We know God doesn't do that anymore. Well, I, I got two stories to tell you. One is my son-in-law. Now, he's not here this morning because he and my lovely little daughter that he's married to went to a marriage retreat in Dallas, and he's learning how to be a better husband. And we're praying that he does. Man, y'all are kind of dead this morning. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. I mean, when I say something funny, laugh, okay? All right? And if it's not funny, just, be, just you know, make me feel like it is. Amen? When he was a toddler at his grandmother's house, they had an open area in the backyard, like a place in the ground where water would run into it. And he was telling me that maybe it was sewer water, maybe it was water from the washer. His family's here this morning. And that uh, there was an insurance man at the house talking about insurance. And just like all of us have done, they kind of lost sight of him as a toddler. And he went around into the backyard and he tripped and he fell into this hole face down and he drowned. Now, the person that was there selling insurance was also an EMT, and they found him, and they pulled him up out of this hole, and he had drowned, and this person began to do CPR on him, and they did CPR on him, and uh, they couldn't revive him, and the person doing CPR decided that he was dead. His grandmother, who still lives, I believe, in that same house, and I think it's the same place, she prayed for him, and he didn't die. Okay, uh, that's not the book of Acts, that's the book of Tulia. Are you with me? And, and uh, he lived and he didn't die, all right. Uh, God raised him from the dead. I don't know if I've ever known anybody raised from the dead. Well, next week he'll be sitting right over here and you come right over here and talk to him. Well, now, pastor, he probably really wasn't dead. Now, pastor, come on now. Aren't you kind of a little out of control this morning? Okay, right? Let me tell you another one. Now, this is not as dramatic. Uh, a week or so ago, my mother-in-law got sick on a Friday. She got the flu. She's in her early 80s. And you know how, as you get older, how serious sickness can be, particularly the flu. So Friday, she's sick, and she, be she thinks she has a cold, but she has a flu. She's sick Friday. She's sick Saturday. She's sick Sunday. It's the Sunday of the Super Bowl. Vicky goes to check on her. She won't let Vicky in the house because she doesn't want Vicky to get sick. And so she kind of runs her off and tells her not to come in the house. During the middle of the night, she gets up to go to the restroom, and she faints on the floor, and she passes out. She comes to... And she manages to get to the phone and dial 911. She manages to make it to the door, unlock the door, and she lays down on the, the tile floor in the entryway and waits for the EMTs to get there Sunday in the middle of the night. They get her, they get her, they get her to the, to the hospital. Uh, we're asleep the whole time. We don't know anything about it. Uh, she calls Vicky at six in the morning and says, hey, honey, I just want to let you know I'm in the hospital. Uh, how long have you been in the hospital? Well, she tells us the whole story. Vicky's yelling at her on the phone. You know, how come you didn't call? What are you thinking about? And she says, well, I knew you couldn't do anything and I didn't need to get you up. So I just, I'm fine. So if you want to come now, you can. 
All right, why am I telling you that story? Because the doctor said that she had become septic. Now, I don't know a lot about medicine, but they said that's where you're sick and you're kind of full of infection and your organs will begin to shut down. Here's what they said. They said if she had fallen in the floor and not woken up, she would have died and you'd have found her the next morning dead. But because she was able to get up and get to the phone and call 911 and get to the door and open the door, they saved her life. Now, listen, my wife and I pray for my mother-in-law every day. And we pray God's grace and God's life and God's covering over every single day. And I believe with all my heart, the reason she was able to wake up, the the reason she was able to get to the phone, the reason she was able to get to the door is because we pray for her and because God moved on her life and God protected her and God covered her. Now, she could have died. Listen very carefully. What if she had died? Folks, dying's not failure. Listen, going to heaven's the goal. Okay? Paul said it's, it's gain to die. You know what we're supposed to do? Ecclesiastes says when we're born, we're supposed to cry, right? And we do just the opposite, right? We give out cigars and dance and we hoot and we holler, right? Right? And what's the Bible say we're supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to cry when a baby's born. Why? Because we know what they got coming up, right? And then we're supposed to rejoice when they die. But we do just the opposite because we don't believe heaven's worth going to. All right, so I want you to understand something. Are you saying nobody's ever going to die? Of course not. But when you pass away, that's not failure. But here's what I want you to see. All all I want you to see is God answers prayer. And you can pray and you can trust God. And I believe with all my heart, God still heals today. And you can pray and you can trust him. I want to show you one more verse. I'm going to go to Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, what have we established the gospel of Christ is? It's good news. It's the Bible. It's the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the message of Jesus Christ. Listen to it. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. There we are again mixed up with the Jews. Now, back up. Let me show you something very carefully. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis, and it's where we get the English word dynamite. It means explosive power. Okay, that verse right there says that the gospel, the word of God, your Bible, the message of Jesus Christ is explosive power in your life. See, you need to be careful when you carry your Bible around. It might blow up. You're carrying around spiritual dynamite. But see, you've been lied to. You've been told this is for widows and old ladies and kids, right? That's why there's more kids and power kids on Wednesday than there are adults in church on Sunday. Because the kids haven't learned yet how to not believe. Amen? Amen. But you've been taught your whole life not to believe. They hadn't been taught that yet. Amen. How many of y'all want prayer? 140 hands will go up. How many of you want Jesus? 140 hands will go up. How many of you love Jesus? 140 hands will go up. Right? But in church on Sunday, it's like. Amen? All right, now listen to me. It says that the gospel of Christ is the power, the dunamis of God. It's explosive power for sal- to salvation for everyone who believes. Let me give you the Greek definition for the word salvation. Are you ready for this? See, you thought it meant just be saved. It means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Let me read to you again. Salvation is deliverance. My mother-in-law was delivered the other night. It's safety. 
She had safety the other night. It's preservation. My son-in-law, when he was a toddler, was preserved from death. It's healing and it's soundness. Now, let me read it to you the way it's written. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the explosive power of God to deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness for only Rusty and his family. No, for everyone who does what? Believes. Believes. So this, is this not amazing? I'm not lying to you. I mean, you ought to get a rock and hit me if you think I'm lying. I mean, this is in the book, right? It's in the Bible. Wow. So the more you read your Bible, you know what happens? The more you hear good preaching, well, you get deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Holy cow. Now, I just got a few minutes left, and I'm going to stop. I want to show you three things that faith is not. Let me just show you quickly three things that faith is not. Faith is not not doing something. What does that mean? That's weird, Pastor. Why do you say that? Okay, listen. I believe this. You do everything you know to do in the natural. You do everything you know to do in the spiritual. What does that mean? That means when I go to the doctor, I pray for my doctor that God's grace and hand is on their life, and I wouldn't ever walk in a doctor's office without praying for him first. Did God use Dr. Shami to save my eyesight? You better believe he did. Did God do beyond what Dr. Shami did? You better believe he did. You do everything you know to do in the natural and everything you know to do in the spiritual. You see, I don't ever think, well, I don't have to go to the doctor. I have faith. Listen, do you all agree that sickness is an enemy? Do you all know we're getting a brand new clinic here? Isn't that amazing? We're going to get a brand new clinic. We have an amazing hospital with amazing doctors and staff. And you know what they do every single day? They fight the enemy of disease. Correct? Sickness Is sickness your friend? You're going to have flu over for lunch today? No, right? That's stupid. Now, you may have it not know it, amen, but... Right? They fight the enemy of sickness. All right? Sickness is an enemy. So I go where they fight sickness is to the doctor, and I pray I do both. Let me show you the second thing. Stubbornness is not faith. Now, see, some of you in here are stubborn, and you think it's faith, and it's not. Listen to what stubborn is. Stubborn is refusing to move or change your opinion. Refusing to move or change your opinion. I know people that have died with treatable disease because they would not go to the doctor. They died with treatable. Now, listen, you can go to the doctor and they can say there's no hope. I know that, right? You can go to the doctor and they come in and say, hey, there's no hope. There's nothing we can do. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to pray, amen? But I know people that have died with treatable disease. And I asked this person, why don't you go to the doctor? Oh, Jesus is going to heal me. And they're in heaven now. See, stubbornness is not faith. Are you with me? Let me give you the last one. Let me show you the difference between faith and hope. What's the difference in faith and hope? Now, hope is not a bad thing. We all need hope. The Bible says that Jesus is our blessed hope. Now, do you know what that means? Jesus is coming to get us someday, but he's not come yet, and I have hope that he's coming. Does that make sense to you? He's our blessed hope. But Hebrews says faith is now. So the difference between faith and hope is faith is now, and hope is always in the future. Here's exactly how it works. Lord, I just hope you hear me this morning as I pray, and I hope you take care of my kids today. And I, I, I just hope that you're looking after us as we do our thing and, and that your grace is on us. See, that's not faith. Here's what faith does. Father, I thank you that you hear me when I pray because your scripture says you do. And I thank you that you're covering my kids and that you're a generous rewarder and that you are taking care of us. See, faith is now. 
See, faith is down. Now, you need hope. I'm not against hope. Don't misunderstand me. But if every time you talk to God, it's always in the future, God's going to do something in my life, that's not faith. So stubbornness is not faith. Not doing something is not faith. You know what faith is? Faith's acting. God, I believe your word, and I'm going to do it. All right, and hope is not faith. How do you get faith? You read the Bible, you hear good preaching, and your faith will grow, and you'll live a blessed life. God's grace will be on you. Now, are you going to have problems? Of course you're going to have problems. Jesus said you would. I'm not saying you're not going to have a problem-free life. What I am saying is you'll grow in your relationship with God, and you'll have the faith to live every day. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Praise God. Now, while you're up, would you do some jumping jacks and get the blood moving? My heavens, man. Man, wake that brain up. Amen? Praise God. All right, Father, I love you this morning. I'm so grateful for your word. Father, I'm thankful that... Our lives can please you because we can have faith. I'm thankful, Father, as we feed on the Word, as we read our Bibles, as we hear good preaching, that we feed our faith and we starve our doubts. And then, Father, that our lives are pleasing to you. Father, would you strengthen every person in this service today? Would you comfort and encourage us like only you can and that your hand would be on our lives? And no matter what we're facing, God, we know that you're with us and you're our strength. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said. Amen. Y'all going to be blessed. Y'all have a great afternoon.